First John chapter 2. And we're going to look at some sure signs of spiritual life. Love for one another, which is so important. Um, how many of you like opera music? Anybody like opera music? Andrea Bocelli. Any Andrea Bocelli fans? Very few of you guys. Um, you know, uh, do you hear about the guy that fell in love with an opera singer? And so he's looking through the binoculars and, he's, and, he's, and he sees this opera. And what a voice. What a beautiful voice. She is just singing beautifully, beautifully. And he's looking, he's looking through the binoculars and he says, that's going to be my wife. I'm marrying that. And, um, and so even though she's a little bit older than I am, I'm still going to marry that. What a beautiful voice. So he goes down, proposes, they get married. And on the honeymoon, he starts to get a closer look at her. She takes off her um, artificial leg, pops out a glass eye, takes her wig off, takes the eyelashes off. She takes her glasses off that was hiding a hearing aid. This guy is stunned. He can't believe what he married. And he yells at her, woman, sing, sing, sing. He wants to get the voice back. That's all he married. I mean, think about that for a moment. We think love is this beautiful attraction. I got to marry this, that we fall in love with this. And then when push comes to shove, it's not the love that we thought it was. I mean, think about this for a moment. The word love, the word love can mean so many different things. I love my wife. I love the Yankees. I love pasta and meat sauce. I love baseball. I, yeah, I don't love the avalanche. But I love the shirt you gave me. Thank you very much. I love coaching. Notice that love is all different. I love you guys. It's different in every time we use it. It's not the same. The word can mean a lot of different. I don't love my wife like I love pasta. Even though it's pretty close. Amen. Pasta. Boston loving your wife has to be cool. I don't love my wife like I love the Yankees. And I love the Yankees. She's a, she, she's a close second there. I love baseball. It's not the same. Well, I want to show you something here. In the Greek, there's different words for love. And you've probably heard these before. You know these, the four different words for love. There's the eros, Love, that's where we get our word erotic. That's the romantic love. It's not, it's not a bad kind of love. We think of this as being bad. It's perfectly wonderful. In marriage, this is a, a great word for love. The romantic love. They ought to have romantic love in marriage. And, and this is not, never used in the New Testament, eros, but it's a Greek word that's used for love. Notice this here. Another one, the storge love, um, that talks about a family love. I can't believe how many people are asking me, are you going to miss Ellie? Uh, yeah. She's my daughter. My blood. I love her. Of course I'm going to miss my daughter, my blood. I love her. That, that's storge love. That's, that's family love. You should love your children. You should love your in-laws. Amen. No amens in the back there. But you should love. That's family love. 
That's not the love we're going to talk about today. There's a, another kind of love in the Bible, the phileo, the, the brotherhood love, the, the friendship love. The people in, 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 in the military have this brotherhood. You know, we're brothers, we're, we're this, this, this brotherhood kind of a love in the Bible. Or the Philadelphia love, the, the love of the brother. That's not what we're going to talk about either today. We're not going to talk about the romantic or the family love. We're not going to talk about the, 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 the friendship kind of love where you're friends with one another and you just love each other because you're friends. We're going to talk about the agape love, the, the self-sacrificial love. The love that really, and this is, this is where it is, this kind of love really wants the best in the object loved. You want them to be God's best. You, you want the best for them. You don't want the best for you. You want the best for them. There's a big difference. I remember a couple one time told her husband, I will move back. They separated. I will move back with you if you build me a house. And so he built her a house and she moved back. That's not agape love. That is selfish love. You do this for me, I'll do this for you. And, and, and let's be honest with each other. That's how we function most of the time. We don't function this agape love that we're going to talk about, this self-sacrificial love, this love that really wants the best for other people, that really wants them to be all that God wants them to be. It's the love that gives, and we're going to see here in a moment, it's the love that God is. God is love. And so look how he starts this off. He talks about this. He goes like this. He goes, Beloved, verse 7. He's, he's saying this right off the bat. He's saying, You are loved by God. And you are loved by me. You, you have a... I love that word, agapao. It means to have a very special relationship with somebody. He says this. You have a very special relationship with God. And you have a very special relationship with me. I, I love you and God loves you. What a wonderful way to start off. He's saying you are loved by God. You're in a wonderful relationship with God. And, and you are loved by me. We both want God's best for you. Wow. Here's what he's going to say in verse 7. I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but a what? An old commandment. By the way, you know, every time somebody prepares a sermon, I'm not saying anything new. You should know something. I mean, this is the Bible. I'm not, if any pastor ever gets up and says, you've never heard this before, run. Amen. We're preaching the Bible. You ought to hear this. It is not something I'm making up. He's saying, I'm not putting something new on you. This goes way back. You say, where does it go way back to? It goes way back to the, you ever read Leviticus in your devotions? That'll eat you up. All right, let's go way back. Let's look at one of the verses in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Look at this. This is a wonderful verse. Watch this. You shall not take vengeance. Stop there. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. We don't do that. Somebody cuts you off on the road, what do you do? Smile, wave, yeah, wave. Yeah, we're in church now, we can't tell them what we really do. Somebody doesn't call you back? But look at this next part. This part made me pause for a moment. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any what? Now what does that mean? 
It means to not hold on to our anger against somebody. It means not to hold on. You say, how do I know I'm holding a grudge on somebody? Well, you avoid them. That's holding a grudge. When the person's name comes up, you think negative to, negatively of them. You say, wow. You hold on to your anger against that person. He's saying, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't take vengeance. Don't, don't hold on to your anger. Don't hold that grudge. You know how sometimes we know we're holding a grudge against somebody? It's when we blow up over something that's not even related to that person. Because we're mad at them, so we get mad at other people. You say, don't do that, he says here. But here's what you should do. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Now, now here's what's interesting. This is amazing. The Hebrew word here in verse 18 for love can talk about all the loves we just talked about. The romantic love, the friendship love, the family love, the self-sacrifice. All of them are included in that word. Wow. He's saying here, don't take vengeance, don't bear any grudge, but love. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so let's go back to this verse here in verse 7. He says, I'm not writing you a new commandment to you, but this is an old one. It's one that goes way back. But you know when it goes back to? Here it is. And don't miss this. It goes back from the beginning. And what he is saying here in verse 7, from the very beginning, he's not talking about the beginning of age. He's talking about the beginning when we heard the gospel. When we got saved. Here's what happens to people. We, we say, all right, you need to get saved. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and accept the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and, and you'll have a relationship with Him. But then we fail to mention, oh, by the way, when you accept Christ and you are saved, not only are you to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you're to love one another too. Uh-oh. I didn't sign up for that part. The loving the God part's wonderful. Loving one another, that's the struggle. And he says, from the very beginning, you heard that you are to love God and you are to love one another. Not this family love, this romantic love, this friendship love, but this love that wants the best for them. You are, this is, this is from the very beginning. I remember when, when a pastor would give um, his membership class and he would say to the people, Yep, this is what God wants you to love Him. And by the way, God wants you to love one another and that's going to be your biggest struggle here in this church. What a wonderful way to say it. He says, you know what? This is not something I'm going to put new on you. You've heard it from the very beginning when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and He talked about how you ought to love one another. In fact, He said, the world will know that we are disciples. How? Because we love one another. You've heard this from the very beginning. Now in verse 8, look at this. This is crazy. On the other hand, I am writing you a what? A new command. Will you make up your mind, John? Is it a new command or isn't it? What, what, what are you talking about? You just said it's not a new command. Now you are saying it's a new command. What's wrong with you, John? Well, here it is. Is it new or is it old? And the answer is yes. Is it old? Oh, you better believe it. Is it new? You better believe it. How is it new? Well, let me tell you how it's new. Look at this in verse 8. We'll see it right here. This is beautiful. I, I am writing you a new commandment to you. And he says the first thing about it, it's true. It's authentic. It is real. This is not the fake love that the world tells you about. 
This is the true love. This is the real love. This is what love is all about. We're going to see here in a moment. This is true. This is authentic. This is not the fake stuff we see all, all around us. What is true? Here it is in verse 8. It is new and true in Jesus Christ himself, in him. Let me tell you, when Jesus came to this earth, everything changed. We see a new and true love like never before. I mean, how did he put up with his disciples? All the things that they did against him, all the, all the things, if they're fighting over, he just tells me, I'm, I'm going I'm to go to the cross, I'm going to die, and now they start fighting, who's going to be the greatest now? Guys, you don't get it? And then and Thomas doesn't believe, and Peter denied. How did he do it? Oh, he loved them. In fact, look at this verse here. No greater love than this. I love this. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for what? His friends. You see, it's new and true because Jesus modeled it. It's new and true because he taught it. It's new and true because he went to the cross and died for us. Somebody says, oh, I love my wife. I love my wife. Well, have you died for your wife? Well, you don't love her enough yet. No greater love is this than what? Than one that lays down his life for his friends. He showed his love as he walked on this earth. He taught about it and he died. That's love. You say, that's great for him, but what about me? Look at the verse here. It's new and true because that love of God, guess where it is? It says here in verse 8, it is true in him. It's true in Jesus Christ. We see it in him, but we also see it where? In you. Don't miss this. The very love of God. He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. The love of God that He modeled. The very love of God. Where is it? It's in us. Do you see it? It's new and true in us because the moment we accept Jesus Christ, the very love of God, guess what happens to it? Look at this verse. It says here, the hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out where? In our hearts. Are you so always ask my mom, do you love me? Yeah, I love you, son. Do you love me, mom? Yeah, I love you, son. Do you love me, mom? I love you. I tell you, do you love me, mom? And then the day I got saved, I'll never forget. I remember looking up at the sky and saying, I am loved. The love of God is poured out where? In our hearts. Here's what's amazing about this verse. What he's saying here, he's saying this is new and true. What I'm writing to you is new and true. You know why? Because you've seen it in Jesus and you've experienced it yourself. And not only do we have we experienced it ourselves, now we can express it to others. And watch what happens in this verse. This is incredible, verse 8. Because darkness is what? Passing away. Now wait a minute. I feel like I live in a world that's getting darker and darker, don't you? I feel like I'm living in a world that's getting worse and worse, don't you? But yet, look at this verse. Darkness is what? Passing away. Because when Christ came and now his light and love shines and now his love is inside of us, 
And as we express that love to the world, guess what happens to darkness? It goes away. And let me just tell you something. It's not ever going to go all the way away until the Lord Jesus comes back. But the process has begun. Darkness is passing away. The true light is already shining. So here's what he says here. He says, I'm not writing you something new. I, I'm, I am writing you something new, but I'm not writing you something new. Do you get that? I, I, it's old. You've heard it. But here's it's new and true because it's in you and we need to express it. You say to me, but how do we do this? Look at this, what Terry Johnson once says. He says, it's not enough for us to be morally upright. And he talks about doctrinally correct too. We must be both, but they are not in themselves sufficient. Love establishes the credibility of our doctrines and ethics. Here's what he's saying. We're not going to convince the world that we're Christians by holding a Bible. We're not going to convince the world that we're Christians by telling them we go to church. We're not going to convince the world that we're Christians because we can quote a few verses. We are going to convince the world that we are Christians by our love for one another. Now watch this. How does this happen in practical terms? This may be a little hard for some of us. We need to befriend and bear one another's burdens. You know what we need to do? And I'm thankful we have a church that's really involved with one another. I praise God for this. But we need to get to know each other and get to know how we can help one another even more and more. It's a very simple, how can I pray for you? It's, it's, a, very, it's a very simple of, what do you need this week that I can help you with? I remember I sat with Sam and I asked him before he deployed. Um, I said, so who's going to take care of Sarah when, we're, when you're gone? And he looked at me and he goes, you are. I go, wow, me. He goes, the church. I said, wow. He goes, you guys are her support system. You guys will help her. Thank you for that. And so I praise the Lord. People are taking care of her and doing different things for her and even feeding her chickens. I mean, I hate chickens, but feeding her chickens for crying out loud. Things that will help. Praise God for that. In practical terms, you know what that means? It means that I'm going to serve the needs of others that come to the church. I'm going to befriend them and, and know what's going on in their lives and, and help them. Well, I think about VBS and how many volunteers. I didn't even know we had that many people coming to church. I mean, it's unbelievable. The volunteers that they have helping. That's a way of showing love. But you know what? There's ways that people don't even know that you can show love here. Send somebody a text message. Tell them you're praying for them. Send them a card. Give them a call. And here's the good news about this. Every time we are doing that, darkness is passing away. And when we don't, you say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to love. I'm not going to get involved. I hate getting involved because every time I get involved, I get, I get burnt out and I don't want to do that. And I, I just want to stay away from people and, and I don't want to get to know them. So I just want to come and go and come and go. And who cares about what's going on in our lives? All right. He's going to give us three examples of people in, in this world, three examples of people in this church. And we're going to see which one are we. Watch this here. The individual without love. Here it is. 
the one who says, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm in the light, I'm, I'm a child of God. Yet, <clears throat> look at this. He hates his what? <clears throat> Excuse me, wow, I'm choking all up here. He hates his brother. Now watch this. What does it mean to hate your brother? Well, it's not the same hate as I feel for the avalanche. Amen? Because sometimes we think hate is a passionate hate. Oh, I hate him. I hate the Boston Red Sox. Amen? It's not the hate here. Watch this. What is hate? Darkness is the absence of light. Hate is the absence of what? Now don't miss this. This is the person that says that they're walking in light and they have a relationship with God, but yet they refuse to care for others. They refuse to get involved. They refuse to pray and serve. They, re they refuse to help in a time of need. They refuse to be involved in their lives. And guess what that is? A refusal to help, ignoring, being indifferent. That is hate. That is saying, you know what? I'm not going to help you. I could care less what's going on. I really don't care what's going on in your life. I'm not going to help you. No. <laughs> One pastor is pretty bold. He once talked to a person that says, wow, I'm really praying for the church. And he looked at him and said, no, you're not. Said, what do you mean I'm not? Oh, no, you're not. I send out prayer letters every week and I know who reads them. He has some kind of program that knows who reads them or not. You don't even read the prayer letters I send out. You don't love this church. You're not praying for them. <laughs> That's pretty bold. Imagine me going up to you and saying that. How can I pray for the church? What, did you read the prayer letter? No, I didn't read it. Well, you don't care about them. Why, 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 you don't even, you can care less about them. I sent it out on Sunday. You can care, you just read them, but you didn't care less. Whoa. You go up to Rob, he sends those things out for every week for the youth. And somebody says, man, I'm really burdened for the youth. He looks at you, no, you're not. I know you're not. I send you the emails. You're not even praying for them. I know you're not. But really, here's what John's saying. These are the people that are saying, oh, yeah, I love it. I love God. I love God. I love the church. Yet, indifferent to what's going on in people's lives. Sitting there, refusing to serve. Ignoring the needs that are happening. Seeing, seeing people that, that are struggling and just saying, you know what? I don't want to be part of their lives. That is hate. And here's what it says here in verse 9. Look at this. That brother is in the darkness. There's, there's something wrong. They're separated there. There, there. there is no real spiritual life in a person like that. But, but here's what's amazing. I love John. Look what he does here. Look at those last two words there. He's in the darkness until when? Until now. You see, he's giving people an opportunity. He says here, look, you may have lived a life that refuses to really get involved in people's needs and, and care about other people. But now's the time to change. Now's the time to ask, how can I pray for you? Now's the time to get involved. Now's the time for care for other people's needs. Now's the time to befriend them. Now's the time to be active in their lives. Now's the time to show love. 
He says, you've done this, but you're not doing it. But until now, now's the time to what? To change. I love this. He says, he says you know what? You, you say you got it. You say you got it, but you're really not getting involved in people's lives. Now is the time to do that. You say, why? Show me why is now the time to do that. Well, look at verse 10. Here is the person who loves. The one who loves really abides in the light. He's showing light. But here's an amazing thing about the one who loves. There is no cause for what? Stumbling in him. Now here it is. Don't miss this. That word stumbling is the word scandalon. Does it sound like an English word to you? Scandals. Here's what he's saying. The one who loves, the one who is dedicated to love, There'll be no scandals in that person's life. It will not direct that person down a path that will ruin him or her. It will bring them down the path they need to be and help them to avoid the dark paths of life. Let's put it in the practical terms. A person who really loves their wife is not going to go out and commit adultery because love is his guide. You see it? But a person who doesn't love and ignores and doesn't take care of his wife, scandals start to come. And all of a sudden they start to look at other things and other women and other websites and other things because love is not their guide. When we're loving people in the church... When love is our guide, there'll be no cause to hurt people here and cause them to stumble into sin. But the moment that we start to ignore needs and start to not befriend people and start to not care about other people, guess what happens in churches like that? Scandals. He's saying this. He says, The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is what? No cause for stumbling in him. This will not ruin you. In fact, it will bring you down the exact path God wants you to be go, go down. It will cause you to see things in people that you never thought. In fact, I think about this and how this can change every relationship we have. When we, when we choose love, when we choose to go after them with love and not hate, when we choose to go after them and seek God's best, it's amazing what God can do. It's during those times you look at your daughter and you say, oh, you want to go to another state? You say, you know what? I want God's best for you. Go ahead and go. I love you. It's when you see a friend that may be doing things that he ought not to do, you go up to him and say, you know what, I want God's best for you. Here it is. Doesn't mean that they're going to respond in a great way. By the way, I find out that they don't respond in a great way oftentimes. But there's no cause for stumbling in him. It won't ruin you. It'll keep you from things that you ought not to do. But let's look at the person who hates. Watch how he ends this verse 11. This is amazing. Scandal on always denotes enticement to conduct that can ruin the person. But watch the one who hates. 
But the one who hates his brother, now remember, this is not a passion that you want to really beat him up or anything. This is being indifferent. This is a lack of love. The one that chooses not to get involved, not to befriend, not to help, not to bear the burden. The one who hates four things, and this is the progression here, right here in this verse. This person's in darkness. You know what they're saying here? There's a disconnect, John's saying, between this person and God. They're not on the same page. There's a disconnect there. There's something wrong with their relationship with God. They're in darkness. They're not in the light. They can't say, I'm in the light and yet be indifferent to other people. You can't say that. There's darkness there, but it even gets worse. Look at this. They walk in the darkness. This means that not only are the disconnect between them and God, that their actions, their motives, the things that they do are not inspired by God, but inspired by darkness. This is pretty strong here. This means the actions, that the, the love that they should have, they're not doing, and their motivation not to love is being inspired by the evil one. Watch this. It gets even worse. They don't even know where they're going. I think about this. I think about that husband in, in Denver that killed his wife and kids. Love was not his guide. But I guarantee you, if you would have talked to him when he first got married and said, oh, you're going to marry her and one day you're going to kill her and your kids? He would have said, no way. Would I, I love her. And yet, what does darkness do? Darkness brings you down a path where you don't even know where you're going. And then here's the saddest part of it in verse 11. The darkness is blinded as I don't even know that they're living like that. They're blind. See, here's the problem. Oftentimes, we don't even know we're being indifferent and not caring for people. We're blinded to that. Oftentimes we excuse it. Just not my personality to get to know people. It's not, it's not, it's not who I am. I, 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 don't, I don't like to do it. And all of a sudden we're blinded to being what God wants us to be. He says, the one, the one who hates is, is down a path that you don't want to go down. There's a disconnect from God. There's there's, there's motives that don't come from God. There's actions. You don't even know where they're going. They're lost on their path and they're blinded. They don't even see it. And yet every day they live thinking about their own needs. You say, Jeremy, how can I put this into practice more today? Not tomorrow, today. I'm reminded of an amazing story of a wife whose husband would go and get drunk every night and come home 2 o'clock in the morning. Imagine that. 2 o'clock in the morning, come home and, and, and just go into bed and just go to sleep. She said, you know what? At first, I got so mad at that. I was so angry. I hated that. She said, but then God worked in my heart and it changed. And she said, you know what I did? I started doing. He, he would come home at 2 o'clock in the morning and before he would go to bed, she would turn over and say, honey, I love you. And then he would go to sleep. He kept doing that. She kept doing that for months. And finally, it broke his heart. And he said, how can I go out and get drunk? This woman loves me. 
You see, when love is your guide, it can really break a heart. So let's be involved in one another's lives. And here's what's amazing about it. The more we're involved, the more we're carrying the burdens, the more we're serving one another, the more darkness goes away. The more we're down the path that God wants us to be, the more we are all that God wants us to be. But the less involved we get, the less befriending we do, the less bearing of the burdens we do, the more the darkness spreads. You say, wait a minute. Look at this, what I have here. Something to ponder. How can you this week do the loving thing? And here's my challenge for you today. Don't wait till this week. Before people leave here today, go up to somebody that you don't know too well. Are you ready for this? I'm going to make you feel very uncomfortable today. Go up to someone you don't know too well and ask them this tough question. Are you ready for this question? This is a real big, this is going to kill them when you ask them this. How can I pray for you this week? Uh Oh, that's a tough one. All right, now, if somebody asks you that today, be humble. All right, and don't say pray for my uncle. Because they're asking how can I pray for who? You this week. And so mention something. And say that. Now, I'm going to give you more homework. You ready for this? This is great. You're going to love this sermon. Are you ready for this? Next week, when you see the person, you follow up and say, uh, I was praying. You asked me to pray for VBS and for your heart and all that. How was this week? How was your heart during that? Did, did God use to follow up on him? Because you know what that's doing? That's showing you really care. And yet... How many of us, and I'm guilty of this too, will you pray for me with this? Oh yeah, I'll pray. And we never mention it before God. And we never even follow up. That is hate. That is not love. And so we want to be a loving, loving church. And I thank God that we have many who love here. Praise God for that. But let's grow in our love. And let's be what God wants us to be. Let's pray. Father, as I, I look at this passage of Scripture and I, I just see the, the three different individuals. The one who says, well, yeah, I'm in the light. I'm in the light. And yet is indifferent and doesn't help or bear burdens or care is in the darkness, Lord. And so I pray for that attitude. I pray, God, that that would be none of us here today. That we would not claim that we have this great relationship with you and not have a concern for others who are here. Lord, I pray that we would be that middle individual, the one who loves the one who abides in the light, the one who truly cares because in that person there is no cause for stumbling. He won't hurt himself or hurt others because love is his guide. The loving thing is his guide. So help that to be our guide as well. When it's so easy to bear a grudge, when it's so easy to avoid others, Help us to be that person that really gets involved and cares. 
Thank you for the many wonderful examples we have right here in this church that are doing that. I think of all the volunteers this week in VBS, and that is a great expression of love by serving, by being a part, by caring for young kids. But Lord, I pray it continues to grow. And Father, I don't know, maybe there is someone here. You know the hearts a lot better than I do, Father. You know, you know right down to the thoughts, the intentions. Maybe there's someone here who's walking in hate. That God, right now, you would convict their heart. And you would help them to see that that's not the path they want to go down. That's the dark path. That, that's the path where our actions and motives are not inspired by you, but by the evil one. That's the path that brings us down to something we don't want to be there. That's the path that blinds us to the real needs around us. So God, I pray if there's any heart like that today, right now you would do a work and change. And open up that heart. And that God, that person would say, you know what, for, for so long I've avoided serving, I've avoided being a part of people's lives, but today I'm going to take that baby step and I'm going to try to be involved. I'm going to ask others, how can I pray for them? I'm going to try to get involved and really be a true friend. Thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for being that true friend to us. We love you and need you in Jesus' name. Amen. So being BBS week, I thought it would be fun to